Welcome to This Creative Life Radio. I'm Felicity O'Connor. Creative women all over the world are unblocking and recovering their creative journey while they rewrite the rules for creative success. Join me as I explore the lives of people engaged in successful creative work and unlock helpful tips that leave you inspired and ready to create. I am absolutely delighted today to introduce to you, if you haven't already known her, Alison B. Stanfield, who is the author of I'd Rather Be in the Studio, The Artist's No Excuse Guide to Self-Promotion. And uh, Alison has a wonderful array of experience. Um, She's in Colorado, in the States. Uh, She helps artists promote their art more effectively, sell more of it and make more money. So we like that bit. Her work's distinguished by extensive experience um, working with viewers of art. So she's been uh, in museums, and I'll get her to talk to us today a bit about that, in addition to working with artists themselves. So she's done lots of coaching. And, in fact, that's how Alison and I first met. Uh, I had some coaching with Alison back in 2011, and it was a game changer. It really was. First I read her book, and then I thought, I must meet with this woman, so <laughs> we sought out some coaching, and um, I've been, you know, eternally grateful for that. So, Alison, welcome to this creative life. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. You are, you know, really building this quite extraordinary business. Um, and as I mentioned, I've I've been sort of following and, and have worked with you earlier and watched what you're doing. I get all your newsletters. Um, I find there's loads of really helpful tips to people in creative businesses. Uh, and that's really your emphasis, isn't it, that that business end of things. Um, the book was just tremendous, and I know it's come out in a couple of different editions, further editions. Um, when did that book first get published, Alison? The first edition came out in 2008. Right. Okay. And, and what are you up to now? Which edition? <laughs> Um, the third edition came out in 2015. Third edition. Fantastic. Look, it's just packed with, with so much useful information for artists building a business. And I love how at the end of every chapter you have a a no no excuse action. (laughs) Can you, can you speak to that? Because I I just think that's, um, I don't know, it it really rang a chord with me, a no excuse action. (laughs) Well, the book is. Uh, so it's called I'd Rather Be in the Studio, The Artist's No Excuse Guide to Self-Promotion. And it's based on the um, top excuses that I hear from artists about why they're not getting their art out of the studio and in front of people. And truly, I could not have come up with the title. You all came up with the title for me um, because what I would hear from clients or actually they didn't end up being clients, but from other artists, from artists is I'd rather be in the studio. And it was kind of a whiny, you know, high pitched voice. Like, you know, so it was like, okay, you either want this or you don't, there are all kinds of excuses. And so I use the book to help artists overcome each of those excuses. That's how it's broken down. That's fantastic. I'm a, I'm a no excuse kind of gal. Yeah, I think I get that feeling from you, and I definitely know <laughs> definitely know that from working you, with you. Well, you know what? When you're building a business, you don't have time to whine. You don't have time to make excuses. You either you either do it or you don't. You don't 
you know, you don't have, to, you just don't have time for it. It's, um, it's a, it's kind of a deal breaker. It's a dream breaker is what it is. A dream breaker. Oh, I like I, that. Yes. I know. I just came up with that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> jot that down. Jot that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. Look, there's so much I want to ask. And I mean, certainly, um, with the artists that I work with, procrastination seems to be a very uh, common theme. I know I've had my own battle with that. And the, you know, there's just so much I want to ask you. Um, any thoughts about the procrastination ways? I mean, you can say just do it. Is that is that that sort of no excuses, no bullshit kind of approach that you have to procrastination? Or how would you help someone get over that? Well, I think procrastination. There's there's lots of studies on procrastination, and I'm, I can procrastinate with the best of them. And what I do is I have my coach coach me out of it, or have someone threaten me. Um, the, but the, the, the truth about um, a lot of people procrastinate because they're perfectionist and they use perfectionism, um, as an excuse for procrastination. Mm -hmm. So it's just not right. I've got to get this right. So some people say, I can't make art until my new studio is built, built. Well, that's just BS because the best artists in the world have made art under the most excruciating circumstances. You know, they just make it work. So, um, so procrastination, procrastination can be based on fear. Also the fear of failure or the fear of success. So when I coach with people, I, you know, try to get at the root cause of the procrastination and my clients that have been with me for a while, like I just had a one, one client that I love who said, I just need someone to tell me what my work is good enough. Like that's all mm. To, to approach galleries. And that's all she needed. And that was pretty easy for us to do because it is good enough. And so, um, so I think it's, you know, come from on my end is helping clients find the root cause of the procrastination and, um, and fear and perfectionism are just two of the reasons. Another reason, um, might be, they really don't want it. Mm. You know? they really don't want or someone else told them they should do it and but it's not in in alignment with them so so we just try to figure all that out yeah yeah yeah. so it's 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 got to be authentic doesn't it I mean I think people have got to have that hunger but also they've got to realize I don't know if you find this but people often artists are a little confused that they're business people that they actually are running a small business Mm mm-hmm Yes. Fortunately, I've been doing this so long that I don't often come across those um, but anymore. But, um, but they, you know, I still do. I, mm-hmm. I admit that I still do. And, and sometimes they realize it, but they're not comfortable with it. Yes. So they realize they need to be this way, but they're, they're just not comfortable. And my blog, a couple of weeks ago, I asked about the word entrepreneur, like if you related to that word, and it was really interesting to see um, how or if people even related to that word, because you really are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's kind of my job to show them that. So with my clients, um, <laughs> I'm sorry to bring this up even, but with my, with my clients, we, we talk a lot about profitability. Yep. And I make them do their numbers a lot. And so it's, you know, I, oh, I did this show. I made all this money. And I said, well, how much did it cost you to do that show? And so we look at, and they're like, crap. 
that sucks. I'm not going to do that show again. (laughs) And so it's, you know, and they feel really bad, but I use it as a celebration because yay, you figured it out. Your list. Yeah. And then you go forward into the next exhibition knowing that, don't you? I mean, it's, it's experience then to say, right, well, I know these are all going to be the costs. And, I, and also I think you're right, just about looking at numbers, like we can very easily bury our head in the sand. Yes. Yes, because you're excited about the sale. You know, you're excited that you made $3,000 from the show, but it cost you 2500 right. in three days time. So maybe that's not the best use of your energy. So I think it, it should be empowering, but first you have to get over the oh crap moment. Yes, okay, yeah. I love that, the old crap moment. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, I'm going to dig in straight from there, Alison, and, and ask you about how we get more bias because I think as artists, whether we're uh, whatever form of, of creative work we're doing and we want to selling that work, let's assume, um, you know, one of the things that we need is, is to get our work bought, sold, you know, and we, we want people to see it, we want people to find us. Uh, and I know that's a multi-level question in there, but what what are your thoughts or, or tips about how do we get more buyers? So first of all, I'm going to start with um, a word that you're using, and that is get, mm-hmm. because I think that ha- like that has a lot of negative negative energy around it. Um, you don't just like get something; you attract things, you encourage things, you share things, and that like getting is a little greedy for most of my artists to relate to. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage everyone to adopt a different mindset around that, and that's like, how do I attract more people to my work? How do I, how do I engage more people with my work? How do I share my work with more people? Which I think has better energy around it and it's just a more it's just a more positive move and I know you know I know that that's probably what you meant but I but I do encounter that g word a lot Mm. from people how do I get more collectors how do I get more subscribers how do I get more likes on Facebook yeah, that's, and, that's, that's really good. I hadn't even picked that up in my own language, but you're absolutely right. Yes. Well, I'm sure it wasn't your language. I'm sure someone else used it. Oh, no, um, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine, but you're right. I, 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 other people have I've certainly, yeah, that's sort of a, a common description, isn't it, a common thing. And I, yeah. I, I love that idea, that the share, attract, engage, those sort of words. You're absolutely right. They've got a different energy. So how do we share, attract? engage well what would what would you be your sort of top ways of doing that um first of all you have to be just super excited about your work and that is that is number one because if you don't have the enthusiasm about your work it's really hard to get anyone get there's that word again it's really hard for anyone else to be enthusiastic about your work so if you are apologizing for the terrible frames or if you're you know apologizing that it wasn't your best effort that's not that doesn't help right so we it's not like you're bragging but you just have to be proud of it and confident in the work Mm. so um, I say that I really, I just want artists to be so excited about their work that they jump out of bed saying, who can I share my art with today? And not who can I shove my art, you know, who can I shove my artwork down their throat to, or however that sentence goes, but who, you know, who, who do I need to share with today? And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes we, when we're online, we broadcast a lot. 
we're like, we'll, you know, we just like, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and when we're on Facebook, when we're on Instagram and so forth, those are social media sites. Those are, that's where you be, you are social and you make friends. So in order for people, you, if you expect people to listen to you, you have to listen to them and befriend them. And my work is about nothing if it isn't about building relationships. And I believe that we have to show people that we care about them in order for them to even turn around and look at our work. It's like, it's like if you want to be in a gallery, mm-hmm. you have to show the gallerists that you care about the work that they do at that gallery. They're just, they're, they have too many artists to choose from, and they are making a huge business investment for you. Um, in your work. And so, you know, they can choose from anyone, but they need to know that there are to support them. So, um, so I think that kind of building relationships, nurturing relationships, meeting more people, showing people that you care about them, listening to them, instead of always talking at them, is will go a long, long, long way. I mean, there's so many strategies that you can use, and we can get into those if you want. But well, yeah. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't you give us one now? <laughs> give us one of your best strategies um, for for selling your art. Well, yeah, let, let, yeah. Let's talk about that relationship with galleries because I think um, that's often misunderstood, and I totally agree with you that that it is about building relationship with a gallery over time. It's not about turning up with your portfolio and <laughs> sort of pushing it, pushing it to the gallery. I don't believe that. Um, no. So no, what, you have to show up at their openings. You should be commenting on their Facebook pages in a helpful, uh, eloquent sort of way, showing that you care about the work that they're doing. You should meet the other artists and support their other artists. You cannot just, uh, you need to be part of the art community. Right. You need to be seen. You need, you need for people to see you there. You don't go to an opening and say, here's my work when it's someone else's opening. Right. That is, that is rude, <laughs> but you, but you are representing yourself as an artist and, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, to go there at, at an opening. And so you just, and then you just nurture the relationship. And I'm a huge fan of postcards I yes, don't know I how remember much. that. I remember talking yeah. to you years ago about the old postcards. You still do that. That's what you said. Yeah. Still, and I still do it for my own business. I don't do them in bulk, but I still mail them to people. But I think that, you know, you as artists have this visual intellectual property. So you have this like innate design. Like, I mean, you have you have built a visual vocabulary. So you don't have to, it's not like me. Like when I send a postcard, I have to figure out what the heck to put on the front of it. You've got got artwork to put on the front of it. And so it's, so people are, you know, they get it in the mail and it's like amid all their bills and, uh, you know, other stuff that they didn't want and they're delighted by it. And it's the beautiful imagery and then your name and a sweet invitation and, or a thank you note on it or whatever. And it just delights people and not enough people take advantage of mail, real mail these days. Yeah, that's true. I think we, if we look at how we are doing our marketing, you're right. There's a lot of people that wouldn't be using the old snail mail as we call it. Um, so why not? So why not stand out? 
yeah and be the one that does yep. yeah yeah absolutely okay fantastic so building those relationships with with, with galleries is a, is a great strategy and it's it's you know it's a marathon isn't it it's not a sprint it's a marathon um and and not just i would say not just relationship with galleries but anyone who, well, that's what's going to ask next, yes. Yeah. Where, where else would yeah. you, do you think is key, if, apart from galleries, where else would be key well, for artists it, to build those relationships? So it, here's what I want to say about that. Every artist has a unique um, set of people that they need to get their art in front of. And so it's not going to be the same for every artist. So it might be curators, it might be interior designers, it might be um, funding agencies or public art programs, it might be art consultants, um, licensing agents, it could, you know, it just could be, it just depends, it could be a niche market, let's say you have a very specific market for your work, like um, gardens, like you do garden sculpture or you do pet portraits or something. So keeping your work in front of the people in those markets. Mm. Mm. So, um, so, you, so you really need to know your market. You do need to know your market yeah. because when you market to everyone, you market to no one. Yes, I've heard that saying before. Yes. So, so this is something that, that, again, you know, we're talking business strategies, aren't we? Really, here when when we know what our mark, you know, when we talk even about markets and knowing our markets, this is this is the business end of stuff. It's the business end of stuff, and you kind of don't know. Not everyone knows their market, unless you have that very specific niche niche market. You kind of don't know exactly who your buyers are until you get the work out there. You know, you, until you Gosh. put it in front of people. And that's why e exhibiting live is so valuable because you know who responds to your work. I had a client um, who sells, it, she's not a client anymore, but she's a former client who sells on Saatchi, Saatchi art. And she sells a, quite a bit. She's actually based in um, Kenya, but she's a, an American um, whose husband's a diplomat over there. And she sells a lot on Saatchi. And she said, you know, surprise of surprise, it, the men, and men are the people that are buying her art right now from Saatchi. And that might not be the case if she was going to sell it face to face, but it's just, it's just good information to have. That's vital information, isn't it? Because it really mm -hmm. shapes um, so many things in terms of where you direct that business and where you put your energy um, not that you, I think, need to change what you're doing necessarily mm -hmm. to meet that market, although there's, there's no wrong, is there, in, in having a stream of creative work that you make for a market to sell and then perhaps having a second stream which feels perhaps something more, I was going to say authentic, but that's not quite the right word, but, um, you know, something more personal to you perhaps. I mean, there's no problem with that, I, I don't believe, there, there isn't until you get to a certain level. And okay. so if you were going to start, um, it's really interesting. I say this, um, I'm going to um, put a disclaimer in here first. I say this based on my background, but I also know the art world is changing. The market is changing. Who knows if galleries are even going to be around in 10 years. So it's, who knows how this is all going to play out. But if you were going for a very high-end gallery, 
you probably wouldn't want to put work that you considered of lesser quality, for instance, on the same website as the one that you want to show the gallery right? or the, the less serious, not even lesser quality, but the less serious. Cause yeah, you've said something about that seriousness. Um, and so you might, you know, I, I have heard of artists who work under pseudonyms for the more, more commercial work. Oh, okay. So if, and, and if, if that doesn't, if the higher end gallery isn't in your cards, I mean, it's not something that you aspire to, mm-hmm. don't worry about it at all. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of hard to put two very different price points on your website, unless they're very, very different types of work. Like they're very, it's very clear that this stuff is worth and $2,000 and this stuff is only worth 500, you know? Yes. Yes. Okay. So again, we come back to what, what is the vision? You know, what, where do we want to head? What, what are we aiming I, for? Right. And, and then we, we, we're making each of those moves towards that, that sort of goal, if, if you like. Yeah. And it's, I, I do want to acknowledge the fact that a lot of artists don't know their goals or where they're headed or what they want from True. this art career. And I think that's okay until you start trying to make a business out of it. So if, if you're working with me, in fact, I said this to um, someone on the phone today, I said, what do you want from this? She said, what do I want? And she started just like going through this litany of, you know, I want to be an art basil and blah, blah, blah. And she hasn't painted in two or three years. Mm. And so there's a problem <laughs> there. Yep. So um, I said, that's great. Start painting now. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It all starts, you know, back in the studio, I suppose, doesn't it really? Yeah. yeah getting, getting the work done, getting to, you know, knowing your craft. Um, getting... You cannot, you cannot market something that you don't have. True. So if you're not making art, there's nothing to market. Right. So it's, it's, it doesn't even make sense to build a business until you have a studio practice. Okay, yeah, and, and maybe a body of work even or, or you know, just yes. continuing to commit to improving those skills and really knowing your craft. Yeah, because you can really do some damage if you put less than still stellar work out there. I mean, and when by stellar, I mean work that you're super proud of, you know, like, like this is, I've really got it. And I don't mean damage. I mean, you might damage your reputation a little bit, but you you could also bruise your ego for decades to come. You know, you, you really open a vein when you put your art out there. And if it's work that you're not sure of, that you're just testing, I mean, you, it could, you could get really hurt that way that's really interesting because this is a this is a, a personal dilemma of mine because um i love instagram um i think mm-hmm. it's fabulous for artists i'm, I'm totally all over instagram um uh-huh. but what, what tends to happen for me is that there are experiments or studies or or pieces that are, are maybe part of a process that i'm quite willing to share on that social media platform that i would be totally different obviously to what i would choose to put together for an exhibition but Am I doing some potential damage by sharing those things no. on social media? No, because you're you are um, you've been around 
a while. Thanks, and Alison. You, not that and what I'm, <laughs> No, I mean that in the best sense of the word. You're not like just starting out. You've, you've had feedback on the work. You're, you're confident in the strength of your work. And so it's sure. totally different from someone that's just starting out, doesn't have the studio practice, is just figuring out where they're going. And they're, you know, so I would say that that work like if it was something that you thought thought was like breakthrough work and like, this is like, I really have something here, but I'm not quite sure. Maybe protect it for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think you know what to, sh- you are at a point in your career where you know what to share with people and what not to share with people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose um, that, that I've just gone ahead with that. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose yep. I'm, I'm thinking about our audience as well. And, and if people are sort of like, Oh, so maybe I shouldn't be sharing it as much. I mean, one of the things no. I, I encourage people to do is, is, is always have your phone or whatever you're taking your photos with in the studio mm-hmm. and just snap some pictures as, as you go because yeah, that, you know, that, that gives you material then, doesn't it, to kind of keep posting on social media. And the thing about that, I don't know what you feel, but it seems to be that that, that consistency is the key there. Absolutely. And not only does it give you fodder for social media, it also should – help you um, plan future works or, you know, look at your process more in depth because you have documented it. True, true. You're just documenting it these days in perhaps a more public way. Yes, exactly. And I think that it is, um, you know, I'm I'm an art historian by training and it's it's just delightful to look at, you know, artists, masterpieces. And when I say masterpieces, I'm a 20th century gal. That's my period. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to look at works as they were in progress, you know, Matisse's Harmony in Red that was once blue, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. That is just, um, it's just so fun to see that process of an artist. And, um, and I think, I would hope that artists would be, um, they would go into themselves enough that they'd really think about how they arrived because, you know, art is all about solving problems. Mm -hmm. And so how did I get from point A to point B? The documentation will really help you with that in the future. Right. So, so uh, that's really interesting. Art is about solving problems. Mm -hmm. I think that's fascinating because I always feel that, uh, Every for me as a painter, you know, every painting is about solving the problems of that particular painting. Yes, yes, it is. It is. And it's whether, you know, it's like, you know, how do I get this still life to fit in this space? Or how do I make um, <laughs> for a commission? How do I make an all blue painting that has just a touch of red and it works really well? Or, you know, there's just there's always something. How do I look at this landscape? And, um, and make it be interesting because I look at the same landscape all the time, but, but a really good landscape painter will do that. Mm. Um, how do I, and for the 3d artists out there, there's even more problems involved. How do I get this leg to stand, you know, to stand up on its own? So there's, um, you know, if you're looking at a dancer or something, um, there, yeah, it's about solving problems. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And then business is about solving problems as well. So we're big problem solvers, aren't we? <laughs> yes, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, 
I, I, I want to ask you some broader questions about your life, but, but before I jump away from the sort of nitty-gritty, because um, some of the fantastic members in my Facebook group from the easel have asked some questions, and one of the things that comes up a bit uh, was questions about mailing lists and how to get the best out of our mailing lists. So I'm wondering, Alison, if you have any really juicy tips for us about that. Yes, use it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how many artists I talked to that have. So I talked to an artist. I can't remember when it was. It wasn't too long ago. She had 650 names on her list, and she hadn't used her list in over a year. That is, that's gold. Nobody else has that list. No, nobody else has those same names as you do. Those are all people that have hopefully asked to be on your list and they didn't. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to get to a point where someone subscribes to your list and then they don't hear from you for six months because then they think, who is this person? Right. Mm -hmm. And also it's showing people that you don't care about them right? Mm -hmm. These people have said they've trusted you with their email list. They've said with their email address, they've said, email me. Yes. I want to hear about you and you don't, you wait. And so what happens is um, what I have found is that artists say, well, I don't have anything to say. What am I going to say? I don't care what you say, but when you only email people, when you want something from them, it's kind of greedy and it feels icky and it feels icky to the other person too. So if you're only emailing people to show up at your opening or to buy works that are on sale or what have you, or to buy your new book, whatever it is, then that's kind of being greedy. You have to give people. So um, my newsletter is um, my first edition came out issue came out in on March 30th of 2002 And so for 14 and a half years, I have been emailing uh, every week without a single missed issue. Wow, that's impressive. It is impressive. But here's the thing. That's what I promised. That's what I promised people when they signed up. And if I don't, I mean, even if it's just a simple, like thanks, my email goes out on Thursday. And if I send out a Thursday, which is Thanksgiving here in the States, so if I send out a Thursday email, um, it's usually just, you know, happy Thanksgiving. This is what I want for you. I mean, it's a really simple newsletter, but it goes out every week. And so um, that earns me the right to ask my list for something, to ask them to sign up for a class, to ask them to attend one of my events, to ask them to buy my book. Wow. Because I give them something every single week. So we come back to your magic words, you know, of of attracting and engaging and sharing all those things, don't we? Yeah, giving Mm. even, giving. Mm. Yeah, and the other thing that that does for me because I'm different from artists because I – have, um, you know, I have a service and I have content and I have like how to stuff, which is not necessarily what an artist would do unless you teach in which you have great how to stuff. Mm. But, um, but the, you know, it's very different. So it's, um, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty important for me to, um, show that I am, I don't like the word expert, but that I know what I'm talking about every week. Yeah. Okay. And, and th- it's, uh, it's consistent, Alison. I mean, you have amazing consistency over that length of time. I do. And my blog, it has been active since November 30th, 
four. And how do so, you do that? How do you get a, a, a life work balance where you can be so incredibly consistent over so many years? And I mean, okay, we've, you've got great energy, you've got great focus for your business, but how do you do that? I'm driven yeah. and I have help. I yeah. don't try to do it all by myself. Yeah. Um, I, 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 here's the other thing. I didn't, I haven't said this word yet, but trust, I really need for people to trust me and, and the people that I can help will trust me. You know, the people that, um, that I can help will believe, um, that I can help them because they'll trust me if that makes sense. But, um, oh, where was I going with that? <laughs> well, I was just asking about that, that work-life balance and how the hell did you get so consistent over such a long period of time? And you, I'm no doubt oh, you've had periods where you've had holidays or you've been sick. Or... Here's, the, here's the other thing. I get feedback, and I think that's really important. So if I just produced this every week and I didn't hear from anyone, that would bum me out completely. But because I get comments and engagement on my blog and on social media and people respond to my email newsletters – um, and they sign up for my classes and I get thank you notes in the mail. That <laughs> me, honestly, that tell me how wonderful I am. That keeps me going. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and it, well, you know, I've gotten my fair share of hate mail too, but not a lot. I shouldn't say fair share. It's been a year and a half since I've gotten some hate, hateful, but, um, but I, you know, it, that does happen. But the, the other stuff, uh, my, Doors of love letters are overflowing. That keeps me going. And that's really important. And that is why, as an artist, you may not get that from your emails and newsletters and online stuff, but you will get that when you exhibit your art in person. Yes, that's very true. I think you, you definitely get that amazing sort of feedback. And the, the other way I've, I've discovered that is if you're able to do open studios, Yes, that can be the most incredible experience of, of getting feedback, like really wonderful feedback it's pretty I don't think I've ever had someone come in and give me negative feedback I've had people come into my studio and say yeah you can tell it's not their sort of art and they walk out again just say thanks and walk out which is absolutely fine but what an incredible boost when you you get you know 20 or 30 or 40 people come through your studio and say oh I just love what you're doing tell me about it this is interesting yeah that's you're you're right that's very inspiring that's great so next time I mean that's and when I say exhibit your art, I mean, just show it to people in person. I don't care where it is. You right. know, I, I just, it's just got to be real and not virtual. And then when someone gushes about it and they have something lovely to say, that's, that's maybe a little bit more than I love your work, but maybe more like a story about your work that why that reminds them of or something, pull out your phone and take a video of them. Oh, Okay. Someone, someone did this at um, a workshop that I was at that I had this really, it was, it was hilarious. It's really kind of unruly group. It was smallish. <laughs> and, and he said, Allison, you are a saint. And I said, wait, stop. Everyone stop. I've got to get this on video. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he went on he was really happy to do it. Cause I said, I said, I needed this for my um, parents and my husband to see. <laughs> Gorgeous. So that's not something you use as a testimonial as such. Then. Oh, I put it. Uh, no, I put it on Facebook and me. I think it was on Instagram too, but I, um, it was just, it was just something that I wanted to cap. No, it wasn't necessary. It kind of is. It kind of is, isn't it? It kind of is, but yeah, it's sort because of, he, yeah. 
he told me how wonderful I was in the video, but it's not, you know, life changing or anything, but it was, yeah, pull out your camera and use, use or your phone, I should say, and, yeah. and make, take a quick video. What a great idea. I, I, I love that. And I'm going to try that at my next exhibition Yay. <laughs> or my next open studio, which is coming up pretty soon. So that, that's a fantastic idea. I wonder, I wonder if I can wind you sort of uh, off track somewhat um, to, from the nitty gritty of, of the how to no excuses kind of process um to ask you a little bit about your own career because we've touched on the fact that you're not a, a practicing artist as such but you have this quite extensive career in museums and and um, all that sort of world tell us a bit about what you've done Alison. so i actually started out as a painting major i took all the studio classes which is more than most art history majors did that i went to grad school with um <laughs> And so I, but I just liked my art history classes better. I, was, I just enjoyed them more than trying to figure out what to paint mm-hmm. every day, um, and which was really stressful for me. Um, so, so I went, um, I went to undergrad. I got a degree in art history, and then I went to, um, and I went to work in Washington D.C. for a U.S. senator. And that what every step that I've taken has informed what I do. So what I say is art history taught me that art is the art. I'm sorry. The history of art is made up of individuals, not of businesses. So we really have to, you know, while I, while I talk about business, you know, we don't talk about Pablo Picasso Inc. Although we could these days, we just talk about the man and the, the, quote unquote, genius behind the work. So, um, and then in Washington, D.C., my, the, the senator that I worked for was, he really informed my belief that success is built around the relationships that you cultivate. Um, he was such a master at getting people to like him. And I mean, in a really authentic way, mm-hmm. he also, he also wrote, I swear he hand wrote at least 10 thank you notes a day. Wow. And those were, and those weren't just, they were front and back note cards. Um, he, and because I sat outside of his office, so I watched him, he really knew how to cultivate relationships. And so I learned a lot from that experience. And then I went to grad school and then I went to work in muse- art museums as a curator and then an educator. And that's where I learned about how people interact with art. I mean, I read all the studies and, you know, um, you know, how people look at art and how they um, consume art. And then I actually taught people uh, over and over and over again how to look at the art on our walls, some of which was, which was very abstract and obscure and um and I just loved it. I loved being with them and experiencing that aha moment with them when they go, oh, I see. And um, so all of those things inform my work because I, I know those things and I can help my clients with those things. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. I mean, to the, the, uh, my ears are kind of pricking up to that about how we teach people to look at art. I mean, is there anything that you could say um, to us or, or tell us about some, you know, like key things to, to help people appreciate, understand our art better? Is there some formulas to that or is it really unique to the art? 
Well, here's here's what you need to know. And this is why writing and exploring your art is so valuable for artists, because that's what the big time artists do. And I'm using my fingers in quotes right there. Right. But um, they that you can't see um, <laughs> they you know, they really are articulate about their work. And you cannot teach people how to look at your art if you don't know how to look at yourself. So if you don't know the elements and the principles of design, I mean, just knowing those things can help people find a language, an entrance door to your work. You know, the the balance in the piece, the texture, the the colors, the lines, the shapes. I mean, all those things. To, People don't know these. They're not taught these things unless they went to art school. Right. And so um, even some artists don't know these things. Some of my clients don't know these things. So knowing those things. And the other thing that I would say is that this is going to be controversial, I think. But once you put your art out into the world, you don't own it anymore. You don't Mm. own the interpretation of it anymore. So you have to be, um, if you want people to relate to it, you have to be open to it. So if someone says, oh, I see this in your work, you don't say, no, it's not there. You know, (laughs) people, people bring their whole life experience to your art, which I think is so cool. It gives me goosebumps. They bring everything they've known and experienced to your work. It just, just enriches your work that much more. And you have to be open to that. And they might ask you and you could you know, tell them your interpretation of your work, but you also have to be open to what they see without getting, I'm sorry to say this, pissed off about it. Yeah, right. So, so that there's that relationship building again, isn't it? Like listening. Yes. Yes. And I would actually say educating, um, because I think in, at its best that art is a form of, well, at any at any point, art is a form of communication because you are not complete. I don't care what you tell me. Your work is not complete until someone else experiences it mm. because you just it just doesn't mean the same thing in your studio as it does in front of a thousand eyeballs or whatever. I mean, mm. you you know that you know how much that means to you when other people are when people come into your open studio and go, Oh, I love your work. And they start talking about it. I mean, that is, that's the most rewarding part. It has to be. That's absolutely that that's so helpful. Because, um, you know, I think sometimes artists are not only reluctant, but just uneducating themselves about their own process. You know, they haven't, they haven't stopped to do it, to think about it, you know, to sort of intellectualize it because they're in the process of the making. And so I think what you're suggesting is that it's worthwhile spending time, investing time in stepping back and really understanding what it is that you, that you're doing so that you can articulate that when people ask. Absolutely. Because if, if people at your open studio don't ask, a curator is going to ask you that someday and they're not going to, um, they're not going to wait around for the answer. Right. You know, for you to go off and explore it. Right. So this, 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 um, this journaling, this, you know, not, don't just keep the, the camera, the camera, phone camera by your, in your, um, studio, but keep a journal, keep, I don't care if it's just scraps of paper. That's your journal. Keep something so that you can write down your insights because you're going to lose those. 
if wow. you don't write them down right then. Right. So right then in the moment. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing that I'm I'm really crazy on and, and encourage all my artists to do is is morning pages, which. Uh, as, Great. as you know, wonderful. yeah, com- comes well. It was, it was, I suppose, the brainchild of Julia Cameron in the Artist's Way book mm-hmm. 20 years ago, although it's a well-known process in lots of different contexts. But that morning page is, that would be a way for us to, in a routine kind of ritual way every morning to perhaps tap into that, do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and more power to you. I find them very hard. I find it Do very you? hard to write. I find it very hard to write as soon as I roll out of bed. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I, but I do, I, mean, I think if I did, I would be a better person for it. Oh, and I so, can guarantee it. It's, it's a heck of a, it, it's an amazing process. Exactly. And I read the book too. Yeah. So, um, I, so I get it and I, and I really believe in it. Um, so if I, yes, listen to Felicity. <laughs> <laughs> After you listen to Alison, I think. But yes, brilliant. Look, um, what, I'm just we can sort of wind up soon, but um, and I'm sure there's loads of things that I'll think about later. About oh, I wish I'd asked her that. So we might have to get you back sometime soon, Alison, because it's been... Felicity. I wrote a whole book about it, and I've written a newsletter <laughs> every week since 2002. There's no way we could cover it all. <laughs> That's so true. And and all of our listeners uh, can read the book and uh, get on your newsletter list, and I'll ask you to tell us how they can find you in a moment. Um, that's true, but there's nothing quite like speaking to the person and listening to the person interviewing. <laughs> I, I really appreciate the gems that you've given us along the way this, to, today. I'm I, I'm also asking uh, or wondering about your own personal tastes in art, and can you tell us about the sort of art that that you're really interested in, and maybe some of the art that you hang in your house or enjoy every day? Mm, sure. So. Um, the art I kind of the art that I hang into my in my house is different from the art that I seek out in museums and galleries because the art that I can hang in my house is art that I can afford or <laughs> was gifted to me. Um, it's also art by people that I know and love. I like this is where the relationship thing comes in. I like to buy art from people that I know because there's so much art out there. I'd rather buy it from someone that I know. Um, and so it's you, well, it, it varies. I should say, I was going to say it's usually abstract. Um, I like art that, I like art that makes me think. I like art that makes me, um, you know, it's like, I like puzzles too. So I love crossword puzzles and number word puzzles. Um, and Puzzles, puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. But, you know, there's some things that I'm just, I have a lovely still life of a coffee cup that I, that I love, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not, um, abstract by any means. And, um, I have a lot of different stuff. It's usually by people that I like. Um, we have a, we have a piece by Anne Hannah called Math Head because my husband's a mathematician by training. <sighs> And so, I mean, there's, there's things that, you know, that we relate to, um, but it's usually, but it's interesting because my husband likes the same art that I like. We went to a French painting show not too long ago because it was at the Denver art museum. It was like, you know, 17th, 18th, 19th century French paintings. And we're walking through about halfway through, not even halfway through. My husband looked at me, he goes, do you like this stuff? <laughs> 
<laughs> because it wasn't contemporary. He he's he also you know he's a math puzzle not um, he's a mathematical physicist by training. So he loves anything like geometrical or that you have to figure oh, out. Yes. So um, so going to that was a little difficult for him. <laughs> I see it all, and and I find something that I like in almost everything, mm. and you know I can. I really can't. It's like um, someone says or someone asks people, people always say they like my work, but they're not buying it. But there's a different way to look at that. And that's like, I like a lot of art, but I can't own it all. I, I, I can't possibly own it all. I don't have a place for it. I don't want to have a place for it all. I don't want to live with it. I might like to enjoy it, but I don't want to live with it. Yeah. Um, it's not where I invest my time. So um, I like a lot of art. And usually the turning point for me is do I know the artist? Mm, fantastic. So, you know, meeting people face to face. And that's certainly happened. I've seen it happen for artists in exhibitions. Yeah, where they get to meet their audience, talk to their audience, you know, really connect. And and those people then want to buy a piece of you, a piece of that. It's huge. My, uh, I have a friend in Denver, I live in the Denver metro area and Denver is a big artist co-op town. There's tons of co-ops in towns and they're beautiful. They're just wow. a, they're really nice spaces. And an artist friend of mine said she likes to work there because when she's there, she can sell her art. Wow. She's not there. The art doesn't sell. And it's not, she's not a salesperson by any stretch of the imagination, but just people relate to her and the work sells. Yeah. Beautiful. Fantastic. So that, I think it's important to keep in mind that I know a lot of artists. And so, you know, it, that knowing the artist might not be the same for other people, but I think it's, I think it's definitely, um, increases your chances of sales. Yeah, excellent. That's that's fantastic. All right. Well, look, I think we've, we've, we have actually covered a lot of ground and it's been incredibly interesting and useful. I hope it has been for our listeners too. And I'm wondering, uh, wrapping up, Alison, how, how can people best find you and find out what you're doing, the courses you're running, um, get on your newsletter they, list? They can just go to artbizcoach.com dot com it's a-r-t-b-i-z-c-o-a-c-h dot com and all the links are there brilliant so look we'll make sure that there's a link to that in the show notes for people um and they can buy your book on amazon can they yes they can it's an the 2015 edition is ebook only so you can buy it on amazon you can buy it on barnes and noble you can buy it on ibooks and you can buy a pdf from my site from your site. Okay, so people uh, can chase that down there and I really do recommend it. It certainly changed my the direction of where I was looking at and going with my art and I really appreciated that um, time with you some years ago and I haven't stopped following you. In fact, Alison, that's been great to see you grow your own business and to watch how many artists have been helped by your services. So we have been delighted to have you here today and as I said before, I think there's so much juicy content that, that no doubt we, we will get uh, to talk again, I hope, sometime in the future. But thank you so much for everything you've contributed to the podcast here and um, all the best going forward with, with the things that you're working on. Thank you. It was my pleasure to work with you and to be a guest on your show. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you're feeling really ready to jump into your creative life. If you'd like more information about my inspiring 12-week online program to seriously unblock your creative life, pop on over to my website, felicityoconnor.com, and go to the Work With Me page. If you're after a super friendly, helpful community of creative people to hang out with, you must check out my amazing Facebook group called From the Easel and join hundreds of artists and creative people that have discovered that they don't have to take this journey alone.